for the thousands in attendance and the millions watching around the world. We are live and amplified. So let's get ready to podcast. Fire it up. Welcome, everybody, to another live and amplified podcast. I'm your host, Tom Quiet, and we are back at it again with another amazing podcast. Tonight, we have a very special guest. We have Clementine Darling. How's it going today? Hi, I'm so happy to be here. Excited to have you on. How are things? Uh, so you're based out of uh, Northern California. How are things going? Yeah, I'm based out of just north of San Francisco in the wine country area, and things are going great up here. Um, awesome. Rolling into the summer season, really busy with shows. Yeah, for sure. It's it's always good to kind of be in that beginning part of the summer before it gets too hot and you got like all the shows and it's just before you get burnt out from the summer, pretty much, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Because once you get into like, I know at least here in Texas, once you get to August, it's like, all right, it just needs to cool down. This needs to stop. It's ridiculous. Our hot months are like September, October, but yeah, it can get pretty intense especially playing outside that's awesome so you're currently based out of sonoma but you're originally from seattle correct yes awesome so how did you kind of work your way from seattle down to uh california i took a road trip from seattle quit my job sold most of my things and just went down the west coast I didn't have a destination in mind, but landed in Santa Cruz, and it was just this quintessential California, palm trees and beaches and surfers and all of the good things, so I stayed. So you just kind of went on a trip without a destination and stayed stayed at a place that you kind of connected with? Exactly. That's really cool. Awesome. So what was it like kind of, obviously... Uh, Seattle's like really well known for like their grunge music and all that mm-hmm. stuff. Uh, how, what was it like for you growing up in Seattle? So I originally grew up in a really small town outside of Seattle mm-hmm. and then spent uh, some of my young adult years in Seattle. Okay. And uh, I grew up in a very country area. So I listened to a lot of country music, but I was also absolutely aware of the grunge scene so I was really exposed to both it was an interesting combination of music to grow up with a 90s country and 90s grunge yeah for sure that's but you know what that that's what makes you a better musician is being exposed to not just one genre being able to pull its and bits and parts from all different types of genres I agree. It's taken a while to find my sound. um, And I think that my sound does incorporate a little bit of both. Nice. Awesome. So uh, growing up in in and around Seattle, you said that uh, you were pretty much more in the country realm of things. Who was the influence for you to start exploring music? Was it something that your family was kind of into? Or was it something you kind of found and explored on your own? So I grew up in church, so I was singing my whole life. I started singing hymns when I was about two years old and memorizing them. And then when I was eight, I found country music, and I hadn't listened to anything outside of 
church music (laughs) my entire (laughs) life. And so I sat my mom down and I said, listen, I found this music and I know you're going to love it. And she listened to it with me and I was allowed to listen to country music. I'd say my first big influence was Leanne Rimes. Mm -hmm. Um, Once I heard her voice, it was really something that I wanted to pursue myself. Gotcha. So you you grew up in the church learning how to sing through that before. And was that kind of, or how did you kind of figure out that you could sing? Was it just something that you did as like a really young child and then it just transitioned in the church or? It was just something I always did. Uh, All the home videos that I've Mm -hmm. seen of myself from when I could talk, I was singing. Gotcha. Gotcha. That's really cool. Um, And so you, you kind of transitioned, I'm not going to say you transitioned out of the church, but you started listening to more country music and whatnot. Um, at what point did you kind of start writing your own music? I didn't start writing my own songs until I was in my early 20s. Okay. I always saw musicians as something like above me, like mm-hmm. something I could never attain and something that I really looked up to. But I didn't have any realization that I could do it until I picked up a guitar at 15 and started learning other people's songs. And then once I did that for a while, I finally realized that I could actually start voicing my Mm. own opinions into song form. Gotcha. Why did you have that thought process of that musicians were above you? It took a really long time for, I mean, I don't think the magic has wore off. There are some musicians that I feel like I would just fall on my face if I ever met in real life, Mm -hmm. still to this day. Um, But just, I've always had such a reverence for music and the poetry of it and people's bravery of being able to express themselves. And so it always just seemed like something that maybe people were like, born with or born into. And since I didn't have any musicians or music in my family, I didn't really understand how to explore that path. Mm. Gotcha. Gotcha. And so you kind of touched on this a little bit, but what was the light switch for you that was like, okay, I need to explore this path or I can be on the same level as these musicians? Um, so what really got me started in pursuing my own career was I entered a song into a songwriting contest, just really randomly, I took a songwriting or, um, excuse me, a voice lesson from Mm. a woman who I found on Craigslist and we didn't do much of a lesson, but I did play her my brand new song that I had just written a few days before And at the end of me playing it, she said, there's the songwriting contest and the deadline is tonight at midnight. And I think you should submit that song. So that was the only voice lesson I ever took with her. And I submitted the song. And a couple of weeks later, I was performing on a stage for the first time ever in a music industry conference for like 200 people. And having that happen just felt like this like nothing in life comes easy and Mm -hmm. music has not come easy at all, but to have it just show up for me like that, it felt like it was the confirmation I needed to know that it was something I could pursue 
that my words did matter and that my music could affect people. Nice. And I, I just want to throw a little caveat out there for everyone listening. This was during a time when Craigslist was actually a trusted website and not a front for whatever it's a front for now. It's true. I did write her at like three o'clock in the morning. And so, yeah, it could have been really sketchy, but it really worked out in my favor. Right. Thank goodness Craigslist was trustworthy back then. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, not everybody was like scamming you on, on Craigslist. Now I feel like you go on Craigslist and it's just scam, all scams. Like, yeah. I stay off there now. <laughs> yeah. I I haven't been on and probably, I don't even 100% remember what the like URL is, but I used to have it like <laughs> saved and all that stuff because it wasn't like Craigslist.com. It was something different. Um, But yeah, I haven't been on there in a few years. So, oh, uh, yeah. so you, you took this voice lesson from her and that, that was kind of like the light switch but you were writing music before this. This it was just something that you were like, it was like a hobby at that point, I'm guessing. It was kind of something I hid. And then when okay. people would find out and they'd want to hear me play, I'd be like, no, 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 I'm not a real musician, mm. whatever that means. <laughs> and so I didn't share it with people. Um, I wasn't an open micer, but I would record my songs at home by myself. Mm. And, uh, I kind of secretly took myself a little bit more seriously than I let on mm. to other people. And maybe that was ego, but uh, yeah, it took winning that contest and getting to perform and see the way people responded to my music to show me that I could actually do it. And I have not stopped since. Awesome. So it was always something secretly that you wanted to do. And yeah. you, were, you were consistently, it seems like you were consistently practicing, whether it was writing, singing, playing, you know, you were like just kind of closeted. Uh, you're a closeted musician at that point, I, I guess. The yeah, best way I was to in put the closet. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but it, it, what's interesting is it wasn't until you got that validation that you felt that you could step out and start saying, yes, I am a musician. Um, do do you think what why do you think you needed that validation instead of just stepping out and just doing it without it um good question i think because the times where i had shared my art before mm -hmm. i hadn't always got the response that i needed to feel that validation from whoever i'd shared it with personally or uh like it's so personal, but when I was like eight or something, my mom found my diary. My grandma had found it and like torn a page out and it was in her purse. And so it always felt like my words were very vulnerable to be written, to be shared. And maybe that experience from childhood kind of affected me not wanting to put myself out there because it mm -hmm. felt like, oh no, it's maybe bad if I am honest and write my thoughts and feelings down on a piece of paper and I could get in trouble for this or somebody might not agree with what I'm saying, which I mean, they still don't. <laughs> yeah. I gotcha. That makes sense. You know, it's, um, it, it's always interesting. Like when you kind of have that light switch of, okay, 
you know, I'm ready to share this now, what that the fuel is for that, for that change. Um, so I think maybe it was the song too. I, mm. I just written the song and it was called, it's called choose love. It's on my first album. Mm-hmm. And it felt like it was a message really coming from my heart about choosing love through all situations, even the hardships in life. And so to have that song be the song that got me started, it felt like a choice. I was choosing love. So music to me is love. And so I've continued to choose that path. Awesome. That's that's really cool. Um, so you, you went in, you uh, won the contest. Uh, at that point, was this, this is obviously before you released your first album in 2018. Um, but how long was it before you kind of started working towards the album? Was it like almost immediate or did it take a little bit of time to kind of get towards the first album? It was within a couple months because when I went to that music conference mm-hmm. and performed, I made business cards the night before because I figured that's what you were supposed to do. Yeah. And yeah. so when I got off stage, different people approached me. Do you want to come on my radio show? I'd love to record you different mm-hmm. things. And so I had business cards and I gave everybody my business card. And so I think people kind of assumed I was further along than I was. Yeah, and so it just kind of immediately I was going in for radio interviews. I was going into the studio and recording for the first time ever. And it was exciting, but I also had no idea what I was doing. And it's fun to look back on that first album with all the perspective and knowledge and experience Mm -hmm. I have now. Yeah. So at this point, were you still up in Washington or had you already made your move down to uh, California? I was in California. Okay. Gotcha. Just, just so people kind of know where you were at uh, physically. So um, you kind of faked it at this conference. (laughs) Like, I I don't want to say faked it, but you just knew, knew what you had to do to make it look like you knew what you were doing, even though you didn't really have everything together. Um, Which is really cool. Cause like, you know, just having that confidence that, you you knew like you had the confidence of okay i'm gonna go there people are probably gonna want to talk to me at some point so you made the business cards and you know you just figured out how to put yourself together um at at what point did uh the idea or, or at what point did everything start to click that um okay, I'm starting to get the stream. Let's get this album together or this EP, I guess, technically. Um, This most current EP? Or no, 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 the fir- your first EP. The sorry. first EP. Yeah. Um, so it was pretty immediate that I had some songs I'd been sitting on, the mm-hmm. song that had won the contest and songs that I'd written years and years before. And so I figured, okay, I've got this little handful of songs Let's get something down. I also had kind of just had a secret desire to record an EP, whatever Mm. that meant for years and years. I was just like, someday I want to record an EP. So I decided to record a four song EP. And then this was in 2017. I Mm -hmm. started in June. 
And then in October of 2017, I was due to go in and record the last couple of songs. And the night beef or two nights before I was due into the studio, I experienced a wildfire and my house was lost in the wildfire as well Mm -hmm. as car and all the things. And so through that experience, I wrote the fifth song on the album called fire map. And it took Mm -hmm. a little while to get back into the studio and finish it. But once I did, then I had a bonus song and it ended up being a five song EP. Gotcha. Gotcha. And did you record it through one of the people that you met at the conference, the the EP? I recorded a half of it through somebody I met at the conference at Expression Studios in Oakland, Mm. and it's a college for music recording. And they have really amazing professional studios. And then the other couple songs I did with Scott Mickelson in Marin in his home studio. Gotcha. Gotcha. For sure. Uh, So I definitely do want to get to the new EP here a second, but I was listening to... um, your live album live at the lost church. And I was really kind of interested to talk. I just want to talk about that for a second. Yeah. What was the idea behind this? Cause it's, it's a lot of really good music, but um, the title live at a lost church is it just grabbed immediately grabbed my attention. So the lost church is a venue in San Francisco. Oh. They have one here where I live in Santa Rosa okay. now as well. And I was going, I was trying to get my foot in the door in San Francisco. So once a month for the entire year of 2018, Mm -hmm. I drove down to San Francisco to play one song at the Lost Church at Mm -hmm. this guy, Casey Turner. He's a music booker promoter around here. He had uh, like this music series that he'd Mm -hmm. do where you do one song and he'd record it. And so I did that all year and recorded 12 songs and each song I had written that month or the month before, and then came and played it fresh and new. And so at the end of that year, I had 12 songs and I picked seven of the 12 songs to put Mm -hmm. on this album live at the lost church. I had the intention to record those songs in the studio, mm-hmm. but then the whole lockdown and everything happened mm-hmm. and I didn't get back in the studio for those songs. So that album is super interesting because even though it's live, they're all new songs. None of mm-hmm. them are on any other album. Gotcha. Yeah. I wasn't quite sure what the lost church was. I didn't realize it was a venue. I thought maybe it was just, you know, some, something else, you know, it's also metaphorical. I mean, I feel like the lost church is kind of like my soul. <laughs> for sure. For sure. So you wrote that was the uh was that that was your last release before pandemic yes. and all that stuff, right? Yeah. Gotcha, gotcha. Um so jumping into 2023, you, you've had a busy year already. You've released uh an EP, you've released three singles. But all the singles obviously building to the EP and whatnot. Yeah. Um, the name of the EP is Bootstraps. Um, what's kind of what was kind of the thought process when you were approaching this project? So I had been going through a dry spell with writing, mm-hmm. and I was suddenly inspired to write Butterfly. And Butterfly is about the awkwardness of transformation and growth and becoming. And so I wrote that song 
And then another long while passed before I was able to be inspired to write something I felt like holding on to again. And I took a songwriting class with Courtney Marie Andrews on Zoom and did these different prompts for songs and used several of the songs I wrote in that class to record for Bootstraps. The idea behind it is I've gone through a lot of intense stuff and hardships in life, through childhood, through the wildfire that I mentioned, through just different things. And I find that I continuously have to be the one to pull myself up. And it's not like a sob story. I'm not looking for sympathy. It's just the way I've come to live my life. And so even before the songs were written, when I knew I wanted to start writing for a new album, the title came to me before the songs ever came to me. So that's the first time that's happened. And it almost felt like when I was writing the songs, I was almost writing them for this container of the song title, kind of like chapters in a book. Mm -hmm. Gotcha. Gotcha. Um, and so the EP is bootstraps. Is that where, how'd you kind of come up with the title for that? So bootstrapping is like relying on mm -hmm. one's own resources gotcha. and kind of taking care of things yourself. So that, and I really love boots. So uh, it was inspired by both of those things, a play on my love for boots and my boot collection that I have. And yeah. also just the hard work I've done to get myself to where I am today. Very fair. Oh, you had mentioned, so you wrote Butterfly and then you you're, you were kind of in a dry spell creatively and then you mm -hmm. wrote Butterfly and then you hit another dry spell. Did I understand that correctly? Yeah, it was not as long, but it just mm -hmm. usually, not usually, but in the past, my creativity has come in with momentum. So mm -hmm. I'll start writing and then the songs will just keep coming and I'll have to just scribble them down or put them in my phone yeah. or just try to kind of keep up. Mm -hmm. And so it felt weird to not have it be that automatic, but I just wasn't living enough life to have enough experiences to just have songs flowing through me in the same way. For sure. Do you think that had to do with the pandemic and the lockdown and all that stuff? Absolutely. Because I was still performing where I could mm -hmm. like outdoors and safely, but it was very few and far between and like living alone with roommates, mm -hmm. like on the property I'm at, but just very in solitude and not seeing people on the daily for that stretch of time. Uh, mm -hmm yeah it can affect a person and i think we all know that <laughs> oh yeah for sure for sure and you know it's it's interesting because during that time you saw a lot of musicians i i think a lot of musicians kind of hit that same creative funk where it was like they have to be out they have to be doing something they have to be interacting and it's like mm -hmm. okay i'm just not getting the the creative juices flowing and then i think you saw a lot of musicians that went a lot more insular like that drawing from previous experiences and then they came mm -hmm. out with very deep personal music which is all so it was kind of interesting to see how the pandemic just kind of affected uh people differently especially musicians yeah i mean that's my 
crowd and then I'm not only watching the people around me my peers but of course I'm following all my heroes Mm -hmm. so to watch their creative processes to watch how they were digesting what was happening Mm -hmm. I feel like my creativity my train of thought my own process was deeply affected Mm -hmm. by people I didn't even know just because I mean, we were kind of all watching each other's social medias at that time, I think. Yeah. Oh, yeah, for sure. Uh, Let's jump into Butterfly specifically, since that's kind of like the the sticking point, because it was like the first song coming out of the pandemic. What do you remember? What are your earliest memories of Butterfly when it started percolating for you? It literally just started with the first line. I was not feeling like I was keeping up or like Mm. meeting the version of myself that I wanted to be. Mm. And so I was getting really down on myself for that. And so the opening lines, the song are good enough, we'll have to do for the time being. And that was kind of just what I was telling myself, like, you're doing good enough. Like, it might not be exactly what you want, Mm. but nobody's doing exactly what they want. And you're doing good enough. And the song is um, a poem. It started as a poem. Mm. And so each end of the line is the beginning to the next line. So if you listen to the first verse, it's good enough. We'll have to do for the time. Being alive is so wonderful. And hard things break us into on and on. Listen to the song. (laughs) Gotcha. That's really cool. so when, just in general, creatively speaking, is that kind of how it works for you? You'll get like a, like a line, an idea for a line, and then you just kind of build from there? Or do you tend to have like a harmony or a, like a beat repetition? You know, just how, how does like the creative process usually hit for you? So a lot of my songs have usually come from poems or my writings. Mm-hmm. Um, Bootstraps was the only album that I wrote differently. Hmm. So I wrote more with focus on prompts or like Reno, for example, Mm -hmm. was an imaginary tale I wrote of a woman. And I was meant to write like 12 verses Hmm. and then throw some out. This was the idea behind the way I was writing the song. And I got about seven verses in and I looked down and I was like, I have the song. Yeah, I could write another five verses, but I just need to rearrange some things and the whole song is already here. So that was a really interesting process because I felt so detached from it. I wasn't so emotionally involved like I am with my other songs. And that Mm. is probably my favorite song on the album. Nice. I have had a chance to listen to it. It, It's it's really cool. I I, yeah. The fact that you didn't expand on it with uh five more verses good choice choice. um so with bootstraps the out with bootstraps the ep um was as you came up with butterfly was reno the next song that you came up with after dry or how did they how did the collection kind of come together as far as the five songs that you put on the album That's a good question. So uh, when I did all of the writing prompts I did, there was a song I wrote in 20 minutes 
and I threw that one out. I did that mm. didn't make the album. Uh, the next song that I wrote, I believe, was "This Is It," mm-hmm. and it was another self motivation song of being happy with where I was at in life because we were all going through some hardships and I needed some motivation. I think Reno was like the third or fourth song that I wrote. Cause I wrote like one a week or maybe two a week, hmm. but I was very like disciplined. Like I'm going to sit down today and I'm going to work on a song. And I'm not typically like that when I write okay. music. I was going to ask, cause it's like, it's very rare unless somebody has like a very rigid schedule, whether they have kids and like all this stuff that they have to be disciplined with their creative. Mm-hmm. Whereas, you know, most of the time musicians are just very, free flowing and but it's mm-hmm. interesting that you can kind of uh shift in between being free flowing and then being very creative do you think that has to do with your intent with the writing that you're currently working on or was that just kind of like a weird microcosm that you were in um i think both so mm-hmm. i think at the time that my life was so free flowing that i needed to create some kind of discipline or i just was not going to get that much done mm-hmm. and i'd written quite a few songs or started to write songs but i didn't hold on to them i couldn't necessarily tell you what they are they're mm-hmm. in a notebook yeah. somewhere but when i sat down with the intention that like i'm going to write a song that i'm going to work hard on And whether I keep it or not, I'm at least going to like make an effort Mm. to make this a good song. That was a new dynamic for me. Nowadays, I tend to write more off the cuff where like Mm. something will just come to my head or I'll even, I think the last song that I wrote lyrics to, I like, it was in my my phone, like getting out of the shower and it just wouldn't stop. And I'm like, okay, I better start like writing this down or I'm going to lose it. Um, but it it also is the season of what I'm in. So like right now, I feel like I'm in rest, like bootstraps Mm. released. Yep. I'm performing, I'm sharing it. I'm not really writing too much. That doesn't mean it's a hard no, I will not write, but I'm not sitting down and being disciplined about it. When I'm ready to write for the next album, I definitely want to sit down, dedicate time, maybe even take a vacation, go to a quiet space, and once again, write intentionally, because I was really proud of the stuff that came out for Bootstraps. Nice. Awesome. Uh, So when you were kind of going from uh, Butterfly to the finished product, who were you listening? Like, just not even... um, just in general, what music were you listening to? Was there anybody that you were kind of drawn more to during the process of writing Bootstraps? Um, I was definitely, I'm always heavily into Brandy Carlisle, but I was mm-hmm. really exploring her discography, like way back to mm-hmm. Bear Creek, like albums, albums ago mm-hmm. during that time. Um, I'm not sure when Margot Price really strays, but I'd say that album has been very influential on my music. Um, just all of the Americana sounds mm-hmm. were really the anthem mm-hmm. to the background of me yeah. writing those songs. And then I'd say Courtney Marie Andrews because I took her class and really got to learn from her process. 
Yeah, for sure. Do you find yourself uh, like when you're working on a specific project, whether it's just a song or like if you know, like at some point you figured out, okay, I'm going to build out an EP bootstraps mm-hmm. or, you know, um, live at the Lost Church or 1111, the EP. Do you find yourself focusing in on different influences as musically speak, like listening to different music to try and draw from their influences or is it all your music pretty consistent as far as like when you shift in and out of projects who you're listening to I definitely shift who I'm listening to based on what I want to be writing next Mm. so right now two artists that I absolutely love and I feel like they are kind of similar to each other in ways are Morgan Wade and Mm. Zach Bryan and they're both very deep and poetic and emotional and not afraid to go there and go deep and even get sad. And not that I want my next music to be sad and deeply emotional, but I really am drawing something from their bravery. Mm-hmm. Um, another one has been Lainey Wilson, and she's mm-hmm. the opposite direction. She is so much fun. Mm-hmm. And so... Between the two, I'd say if I were drawing inspiration for a new song, I'd say Lainey Wilson, Zach Bryan, Sierra Farrell. That's mm. another one who yeah. Uh, just, yeah, she's a badass. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if it, I can say it, that. <laughs> oh, you can. You can. I 100% agree. It's, you know, it, a lot of these musicians that you're bringing up, it's like Lainey Wilson. I didn't discover her until she started like really making making it on the country scene like right after she did her uh Yellowstone made her appearance on Yellowstone and then she just yeah. like really started blowing up there and I was like well I, I mean I didn't miss the train but you know it's just like thinking about it it's like I like li- like watching the progression of musicians like you find mm-hmm. them when they're just starting out and just kind of watching that progression and then I've come across Lady Wilson and it's like wow she's already there that's amazing and then she like is. Sierra Farrell like I've been following her for a few years now and just, just like everything she releases is cra- she's crazy talented so she really is yeah um so you'd mentioned that you're not really you're kind of in rest mode right now as far as you know, creatively speaking, uh, how often are you playing shows? You said you're playing pretty consistently. Yeah. So I'm playing probably two or three live performances a week around San Francisco and this Bay area. Mm -hmm. And then I also busk a whole lot on the side. I really love to busk and that's not something that I've let go of. So I do that two, three times a week also. So I'm playing, five days a week at least for two or three hours each time that I go play so I get a lot of practice uh do a lot of my own music and I get to do a lot of covers of people I love and admire too nice what do you think it is about busking that still is like I still got to do this um aside from the financial aspect it's the connection with people um I really just, I get to talk to them one-on-one. The motivation and inspiration that people give me when I'm busking Mm. is the most that I get anywhere. It's Mm -hmm. pretty incredible. 
people walk by me and I don't know, just shout out to everybody who walks by me and does this. Cause you might not know that all of you are doing this, mm. but people walk by me and they say, don't give up, keep going. You're going to Hollywood, go on American Idol. You're going to make it like just affirmation after affirmation. And it just feels like, yes, the dollar in the tip jar is nice, but that right there is what I need to know that even on the hard days, like there are people rooting for me. They see something in me. They believe in me. I'm going to keep going. Yeah. You, you touched on something that I hadn't even thought of when it comes to busking, like the ability to stop somebody, like you, you're in the middle of a public place and the ability to stop somebody from doing what they're there to do, whether they're shopping or going to eat lunch, you know, like whatever it is, the ability to stop them for a minute, two minutes to get them to pay attention to you is that that's just got to feel amazing to be like okay i was able to impact somebody so much that they stopped for two minutes to listen to my my original or my cover or you know like whatever mm-hmm. it is you're playing on so yeah and then, then if they buy an album because they've heard a minute or two of what i'm doing like that's great i've had people say i was eating at the restaurant across the parking lot and i heard you and i thought you were the radio and I realized it was you and I had to come over here and talk to you. And I'm yeah. like, thank you. Thank yeah. you so much. <laughs> that's that's really awesome. Yeah. So busking, that's what I get from busking. <laughs> nice. It busking left a sour taste in my mouth early on during the pandemic because mm-hmm. and like I mean, I've always enjoyed listening to buskers, like stopping in the park, somebody sitting there playing, whatever. But in Wake, so I'm based out of Waco, Texas. In Waco. Mm-hmm there was a lot of people that were fake busking. Yeah. So they were like, they'd sit there and then they have like a, they have what looks like an amp, but it was really a speaker and it looks uh-huh. like they're playing the guitar or the violin or whatever it was they were playing, but it wasn't really them playing. Yeah. <laughs> and it was like a big thing here in the town because it was like, Oh, that guy that's playing so well on the electric violin, he's not actually playing. And then it's like, okay, then who do I trust anymore? You know? Absolutely. Yeah, that was very common. And one time I saw a violinist that was just really amazing. Mm -hmm. And I actually like stopped and watched him and was like, are you actually playing? Mm -hmm. And I had to sit there for several minutes. And then after a while, I was like, okay, he's actually playing. This guy's great. And I went and gave him my card and was like, hey, if you ever want to jam. But I did doubt him and I feel bad about that because of the news, especially of people with electric violins doing Mm -hmm. that. Yeah, it it was it was there was that pandemic brought out such a weird moment just for musicians in general. Like it was like people were doing anything they could to survive. And it's like. I don't know. Yeah. I, for me, it hurt busking for a little bit. Like I just Mm -hmm. didn't enjoy, like anytime I heard music playing and I saw Mm -hmm. somebody was playing, I was like, can't trust it. It's actually you playing right now. So. Well, I think if you saw me busking, you'd have no doubt that it was me playing and singing. (laughs) Oh yeah, for sure. So um, you've been in Sonoma now for a good while do you get to travel out as far as like playing shows and whatnot? I saw you played like South by Southwest. 
Yeah. Okay. So I go play South by Southwest most. Uh, I, I've been there three out of the past four years. Mm. Or, I don't know, 2019. Yeah. 20, yeah. Anyways, I've been there three yeah. times. And uh, I plan on continuing to go back. I feel like I have a little bit of a fan base there now. Mm. I have not been out to Nashville yet, but I'm making my plans to try to get out there and visit and get some stuff lined up out there. Yeah. I have had some plans to do tours on the west coast but i don't know if those are gonna happen just mm. yet but um yeah it's interesting trying to get everything mapped out and yeah. make it happen and, yeah. yeah especially especially when you're the one doing it all yourself it's mm -hmm. like all right, got to got to kind of balance the creative, and then you also got to like, okay, I got the music. Now I got to actually get out there and play. So, and then I guess that's where busking kind of comes into play because it's like, okay, I got three hours. Let's go. Like, I want to go play. So, like, yeah. busking—that's where busking comes in, like, really handy. But um, the fact that you're got plans and you're wanting to go to Nashville you're wanting to do another like a west coast you know just kind of playing out that's really cool um so you come down every or every year for south by southwest you started building mm -hmm. your following in austin have you had a chance to play outside of austin or is it pretty much just you go for south by south west and that's it you mean in texas or just yeah anywhere in, else? in texas yeah nope just austin i okay. have not turned around texas Gotcha. 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 Yeah. Um, so but I'll let you know if I do. <laughs> gotcha. Fair enough. That, that's ultimately what I was building up to. Um, so uh, now that the album's out, it's been out for about a month and a half at this point. Um, and you're in full recovery mode and just kind of enjoying the process of playing music when you need to step aside from everything, uh, like just to kind of decompress and, uh, take some time away. What are your hobbies? What do you do when you're not playing music? Stuff of that nature. I have a horse. Nice. And that is about it. <laughs> if uh, you're a horse person, you know how much work that they take. So when I'm not playing music, I am working with my horse, riding my horse. Uh, my time is fully dedicated there. And other than that, I just, I love to get out in nature. I love to travel. I, I love to go down to Mexico. I've done some songwriting retreats down there. Um, yeah, gardening. Yes. For, sure. <laughs> For sure. Was uh, the uh, getting or riding horse or having a horse? Was that something that you were doing up in Washington as well, or is that something that you started doing when you were in California or once you got to California? So when I was 16, I bought my first horse. She was mm. four months old and I had her for a couple of years and then I graduated and had to sell her because <laughs> I was not able to financially care for yeah. a horse and be 18. Yeah. And uh, then fast forward, I've been in California for a while. I worked at a horse rescue for a few <laughs> years. I moved to Hawaii and I worked leading trail rides through the jungle on the beaches for a while. And mm. then I came back and I didn't see a horse for like five years. Oh, wow. So the whole lockdown happened and somebody connected me with their sister who owned a ranch and I started taking lessons. And after a year and a half, I ended up adopting my horse from somebody at the ranch. Oh. It wasn't planned, but 
we weren't doing anything else right. and I had plenty of time and love horses. So that's how very, that came to me. Very fair. You're the second interview today that somebody's brought up Hawaii. And I don't know, like, <laughs> it, I've, al I've always wanted to go to Hawaii, but I just don't want to make that trip because it's like from Texas, it's already pretty far and I don't like uh -huh. flying all that much. So it's a long ways over the ocean. I think it's like six hours from San mm -hmm. Francisco to Maui, yeah. just constantly looking down at the ocean. That can be intimidating, but Hawaii is amazing and worth a visit. <laughs> nice. I, I it, It'll happen eventually, but it's just like, it's a financial commitment. So it's like, I'll, I'll wait until I'm a little bit more financially stable to make that commitment. So. That's why I go to Mexico now. <laughs> fair. Very fair. Um, so if anybody wants to check out your music, any of that fun stuff, uh, where's the best place to find you online, interact with you on social, all that fun stuff. So across the board, my socials are Clementine Darling Music. My website mm -hmm. is com. You Google Clementine Darling Music, my music is going to come up. Um, I've got all my stuff on streaming platforms on Bandcamp for downloading or anywhere that you choose to download music. And uh, it's also on my website if you just want to go there, one-stop shop. Uh, got merch there too, if you want to check that out. For sure, for sure. And then one last thing we do with everybody that comes on, um, we like to, here at Lab and Amplified, we like to pass on information to the younger generation, the younger musicians. So throughout your journey of being a musician, what's something that you've learned that you would like to pass on to the younger musicians out there? Don't give up. You're your best advocate. You know yourself better than anybody. Stay true to yourself and just keep doing what makes you happy. And you're going to watch yourself make it and surprise yourself. For sure. For sure. 100% agree. But once again, thank you so much. I really appreciate you taking the time to sit down and chat with us. It's been an absolute blast. Um, thank you. For, for anybody out there listening, uh, please go out there and support Clementine Darling. I uh, I have the Spotify link to her new EP. Uh, it's in the comment section below or in the description, depending on where you're listening to or where you're listening at. Um, and then if you want to support anything Live and Amplified does, liveandamplified.net is our website. It's got all our socials, radio show, podcasts, all the fun stuff. Uh, you can check it out right there. But once again, thank you so much for hanging out with us. It's an absolute blast. And we will see you all later. <laughs>